0: Um, because of uh, our time, just with having two stories, uh, it's going to be a two-point sermon instead of a three-point sermon. Hopefully, you won't mind. Um, but our text tonight is from Revelation 21, and we're just going to go to uh, 1 to uh, 6, uh, not, not, not do the last uh, two verses there. Um, we can talk more about those at Reimagine Class, though, on uh, Wednesday night. Here we are in Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. Um, as you guys, um, as we enter into this new series, this new series is called Reimagine. And for whatever reason, this phrase has just been sticking with me as I've been thinking about this series of Reimagine. And that is that I used to think. That God lived in black and white, but that now I know he dreams in color. I used to think God lived in black and white, but now I know he dreams in color. Maybe it's just because uh, I'm a seven on the Enneagram and color's exciting. Um, But there's a a, a video, a documentary on on Amazon Prime, um, some of you might have that, uh, about Coldplay. And it's titled something Dreams, Head Full of Dreams. And the opening scene is um, they are getting ready to play a show in Sao Paulo. And I don't even know the lead singer's name. I, I've, I couldn't even tell you what a Coldplay song is. But I've seen the, the, the documentary. And um, at the beginning of the documentary, this stadium is just packed with of people in Sao Paulo. And in the colors... Everybody in the audience has these, these armbands and their colors are changing. And then all the musicians have this, these colors on. They have like a gray shirt on, but then they have little patches of color. And it's like the color is starting to grow and the color is starting to take over and move into the spaces of black and white and the spaces of gray. And it's this exciting beginning to the show. So if you could just watch the beginning. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's so inspiring that in a city uh, of Sao Paulo, they're bringing this incredible display of color, this celebration of color in music into the city. And for whatever reason, when I think of the city, God has me thinking in color way more than I ever used to. And I will tell you that one of the gifts of being in the city, where we are considered a city center church, is that those colors are represented here in our church. There are colors that are to be discovered. There are colors that we have not yet even named that exist here in this building, that exist here in our lives. Brilliant, beautiful colors that God has placed in us, that he has placed us. His color in us. So as we enter into this time of reimagining, I also want you to know that as Drew said, we're not reinventing. In fact, Danny, if you could take us back to the confession, and while you're taking us back there, if you look at the front of our, build, of our bulletin, it says, Our city, your story, God's grace. And Drew referenced that. Our city, your story, God's grace. And if you go back to this confession, really interesting outline here, right? Uh, Last line there on our city. Uh, Lord Jesus at the bottom there on us. Next slide. Lord Jesus, grant us peace. Give us peace. Give us grace. So this outline that's on the front of our bulletin, you might think, oh, why is this city or this church so much about their city? Did they just invent that? Did they care so much about their city? that they care so much about the stories that are here, that they care so much about uh, God's grace. This outline that we're following is not something new. It's actually been in the church. That was from like 400 years ago. But we are retelling a story that has been forgotten in many ways in the church. Because the church that I grew grew up in Uh, very much talked negatively, like Drew experienced, about the city. The city for me and my hometown was down the mountain in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The city was where the crime was. The city was where the poverty was. The city was where I had to drive through to get to my private all-boys school. And I was taught as a little boy that when you went into the city in your car, What was the first thing you did? Lock the door. The city was dangerous. And for many of us, we have experienced danger in our city. We have experienced harm in our city. We have experienced trauma in our city. Because there is evil in the city. We're not going to get to it tonight. If we did get to it, we were going to be at it at the very end, but I, because it's in the text, but I was going to bring it to the front. Because the verses that right after the, the ones that we read tonight, verse 7 and 8, get pretty dark. And they talk about these things like liars and vile people and sexually immoral people, that they're going to go to this place that's not fun. This lake of fire, of torment. And so especially here in our culture in America, when we hear things about like suffering and hell, we get really kind of freaked out. NT Wright talks about, he says, Man, it's so interesting to me that one of the most wealthy countries in the world, one of the most protected, powerful military countries in the world, is so obsessed with hell. It's interesting. It's like we feel guilty for something. Think on that for a while. You can unpack that one, you know, just kind of let that one sit. But I didn't want that to be the focus tonight. I didn't want you to be focused on hell. And I even was kind of like, you know, nervous to even mention it. Because I know how our culture is. But ultimately, I want you to see that there's these two pictures that John is presenting for us in the book of Revelation. And it's very symbolic because of the type of literature that it is. It's very symbolic, and he's almost creating these two cities, and one city's like this, and this other city is going to end in destruction. This one city that uses people, this one city that lies to people, this one city that abuses people, the systems that support it are going to end. They will come to an end. And this is one of the things that I want to tell you about that city is that so often in America, we think about that city being the city to come, just like we think about heaven. But I want you to know that that city is alive and well here right now. That there is a city that oppresses people, that there are systems that oppress people. And that hurt people. And that rob people. And they're here right now. But the focus that John really wants us to have, he wants us to know that city's going to end. But the focus that he wants us to have is on this city that's coming. The city that's coming. Because the city, you guys, you can write this down if you want to. The city is your final destination. Like parentheses here, not heaven. The city is your final destination, not heaven. In verse 1, a new heaven and a new earth. The old earth had passed away. In this holy city, the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven from God. The city is coming down to us. Not us going up to it. This is the first main point I want you to get tonight, okay? First main point. When you think of the incarnation, for those of you who have grown up in the church, you know what that means. That means God with us. You think of Emmanuel, Jesus Christ being born as a human being. That God became man. He put on flesh and blood. He dwelt among us, okay? That's what we think of when we think of the incarnation. That Christ could look us in the eye and tell us his love for us, have compassion on us, be with us. But John wants us to know that Jesus isn't the only thing that incarnates. That there is a city coming, an incarnational city that is with us. that there is a city coming that is an incarnational city that will be called Jerusalem, that will be the presence of God with us. We are a people of the city. We are called to be a people of the city. We are called to be city builders. When you go back all the way to Genesis 1, chapter 1 and 2, for that matter, you see that God created the world, and he calls it good. And he created it in such a way that he put inside of these raw materials, like dirt, these things called potentials, like minerals, so that when you put a seed into that dirt and then you took this other raw material called water and you put it on top of it the next thing you have is banana bread the next thing you have is wine actually there's something that happens right When the seed gets put into the ground and it's watered and it's cared for, it grows into a tree and then it produces fruit and then we're called to take that fruit and we make culture with it. We make culture. At my house on Friday night, I felt like a celebration of culture. I walked outside, there was food like as far as I could see this way. Uh, Angel and his wife showed up with some like taste of fall cookies. Uh, 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 Jillian showed up with biscuits and like had like, you know, three different... Types of ingredients to put on top of them, and all of you guys had created, had curated culture that night, and you brought it to my house, and then there was these musicians doing their thing, and then there was this spoken word poetry from Flo's, and then my daughters and their friends, they got up there, and they created this dance on the moment, and it was kind of scary, but it was beautiful at the same time. Um, And it just kept being created. You guys created a night. Like, yes, it was at my house, but you guys came and you added to it and you created a new dessert. You created a new meal. You created a new party. It was like a little taste for me of the heavenly city in my backyard. It just kept like, All this love just kept pouring out, pouring out. That God created this world in a way that he invites us to grab a hold of these things in a loving way and make love with it. Create love with it. Like bread and music and Excel spreadsheets and cups of coffee and grading papers and putting people on planes. He's given all of you these gifts. He's given us all these raw materials that he called us to create a city with him, in alignment with him, And it's a city that is with us. A city that when you're in it, when you're in it, in that city, you are known and you are loved. It is an incarnational city. And you are still, despite the presence of that other city, despite the presence of evil in this world, you are still called to become city builders. I told you all this story, my my son and I, and my, my family, we were watching the new uh, remake of Mary Poppins. I know it didn't pass the mustard for some of you guys. But uh, you know, we're sitting there watching it. And I thought there were some magical moments. One of them was when uh, they had the bathtub scene. And all the kids are sitting there. And uh, Mary Poppins starts filling, filling up the bathtub with water. And this dolphin like sticks its head out. And then it goes back underwater, and she's like, Not now. And then all the kids, like, What? What? And they, the youngest one just dives into the bathtub and goes into this magical underwater world. And then they come back to reality. And, and afterwards, my son asked me, My son is 13. He's like, Dad, is that real? I'm like, Bro. I know mama ate some brownies earlier, but uh, <laughs> some of you guys will get that. But anyway, um, so, so my son is asking this really profound question because he was imagining something that God has called us to be a people of imagination, to be a people of his kingdom of his kingdomly imagination. When John gives us this picture in the text that this city is going to be coming down, he's calling you to imagine it. Not that you would imagine it in the future, not to imagine it tomorrow, but to imagine it right now. Because guess what happens when we begin to imagine these things? We begin to become partakers of them. We begin to become builders of them. That we are called to be a people, to imagine a city that is for all people. A city where all may flourish. That Christ has called us to such a city as that. In verse 2, that that city is prepared like a beautiful bride. And I've had the privilege of standing, this is my last point, by the way, I've had the privilege of standing by so many men as their bride has come through that back door. And they go like this, like, you know, they get like their knees kind of buckle or they're like, "Ah." you know, they're like trying not to cry, they're holding in, but this huge wave of emotion has just swept over them. Because they see the glorious strength of this woman walking down this aisle. They see the beauty, the mystery that is coming towards them. And it is absolutely overwhelming in the most beautiful, poetic way. When you dream, when you imagine the city of God, the incarnational city, it will make your knees wobble. It will be a wave of emotion coming over you, coming towards you like a beautiful bride, a city that is for you, a city that is with you. Stepha said it, and I'll say it again, that, that the grief, the grief is terrifying. It's overwhelming. But we, as a community, were more. We were more as the body, as a community. And and as John reveals to us, when this city is in its fullness, that God is there to wipe away every tear. That he actually will end death. That there will be no more curse. Friends, we are called to work for that city now. To live for that city. And Christ lived it out for us. He went into the city, as Drew told us. And he gave his life for the city. So that we could become citizens of the city that will never end a city that is built on his love a city where creativity leads to the flourishing of life for all let us pray